I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. How to become a better racer. Finishing any race is something we should all be proud of. I know when I first started training for marathons, I once heard someone ask me if I was going to be running the race or racing the race. I was very confused. Isn't every race a race? Turns out there can be different meanings to the word race. We like to use the word race Um, as almost a way to test your fitness. And we want to save those testing of our fitness for race day or time trials. And we cannot do this too much, otherwise we get burnt out. So we should be only doing this a few times a year. But this episode is going to be focusing on things you can do to become a better racer. Racing is a skill that sometimes takes a lot of time to develop. Because some of these races can take well over four hours, there's a lot of time for things to happen and for us to get inside of our own heads. Some of the most important aspects in racing experience are pacing, fueling, and of course, mental toughness. In order to be able to really test our fitness and reach our potentials as running, there are a few things that we really need to nail when it comes to becoming a great racer. And so we're gonna be talking about three different areas that really can help you improve how you race and then make you a a better runner. So a lot of the times, maybe you're an athlete, you have a 5K PR, you have a great one mile PR, you plug that into the VDOT calculator that we always reference, and this VDOT calculator may say that you can run this amazing marathon time, or you may have running friends that run similar times to you in the 5K, and yet they can run these really fast marathons or half marathons, Um, or in other cases, maybe you're just feeling like on race day, you just don't have that extra edge or you just aren't a great racer. And so these are three different areas you can work on to really reach that next level and become a better racer. I am someone personally who is not a great racer. Um, This is something I've really had to work on and develop over the years, and it can give you a big extra edge on race day. Um, It can take minutes off of your finishing times in those longer distance races and really help you reach that next level, and it can be really empowering and maybe trickle into other areas of your life. Um, Jason here with me, he's more of a natural racer, but I still think that he has gotten a lot of benefits from utilizing these three different areas. So Jason, can you talk to me a little bit about the three areas we're going to be talking about and then maybe your experience as a racer, things that you've done in your history to get better because you are someone who's maybe naturally 
talented at racing is it's a natural ability for you so maybe some people listening they're like well i'm already kind of a good racer um how can someone still get better even if they are pretty good at racing yeah so the three main areas that we're going to be discussing today are consistent training and gaining that race experience Um, and then the second one is setting realistic expectations and having a proper pacing plan so kind of looking at each race as a as an individual um race and just setting that that proper expectation and then uh, the third thing is just our mental training our overall mental training as a whole so um, we're going to start with that consistent training because i feel like this is like the number one thing we need to talk about Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times athletes maybe come to us with uh, you know after a long break or with certain gaps in their training and they set this goal that they want to achieve right and it's usually a time-based goal at at a race and so um, a lot of times if they come up short then they get a little bit discouraged. And in reality, um, you know, the goal just maybe wasn't quite uh, attainable based on their consistency or lack of consistency rather of their recent training. And so really just kind of understanding how everything comes together um, and to know that sometimes we need some race experiences in order to get to our A goal. Mm-hmm. So especially in shorter races when we can probably afford to do more of them because the recovery is a lot quicker, you know, running 5Ks and such. It can take a few attempts um, to really nail it down and figure yeah. out how to race and push yourself. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are really the, the main things that I'd be thinking about today. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting hearing that even within a season for a very seasoned runner, maybe even like yourself, someone who's been running for a very long time who has a lot of racing experience historically under their belt, if you come to a new training cycle, you still need to kind of sharpen that racing experience. And I think with the pandemic that happened, right? So maybe people listening, they haven't raced at all. You know, it's kind of 2021 was kind of like hit or miss with races. Some people didn't feel comfortable doing them. Totally understandable. But like all of 2020 for a lot of people meant no racing. Um, That's a full year and that's a long time to go without racing. And so while you maybe had a lot of experience prior to that, your body still needs to get back into that mindset and just physically kind of at that sharp level again. And so I do think recommending, like you said, having kind of races in a series lined up to your goal race is really important. Um, You know, in a marathon training cycle, you might have like a 5K at the beginning and you might do something like a 10K or a 10 mile kind of in the middle of the cycle there. And that really helps you just with the experience of pushing your limits and kind of taking the rust off of what maybe has settled over the past couple of years. And it's really important to note that even for someone like yourself, you always are needing to kind of re-go over the cycle and re-race because it does, you do get rusty. Um, I know when I have been pregnant and then coming back postpartum, there's really just like a mindset change that needs to occur. And sometimes people think they can just snap their fingers and boom, okay, I'm in racer mode, but it's really a transitional period of like, okay, I'm coming back after some time off. And this doesn't even have to be pregnancy postpartum related. This could be anyone taking any time off, which is extremely common in the sport. Let's say you had an injury. Let's say you just took some time off because you didn't feel like running. It's winter. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why people take time off or they take time away from racing. But then when you come back to racing, it's really important to understand that it, it may be a gradual progression. It may take you a while mentally to get to that place where you feel comfortable dipping into the well, um, especially as the race distances go on, um, it can be like you need more and more racing experience. Um, Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, you know, this makes me think of like, 
you know, the world of, of uh, elite runners, for example, a lot of them get into running when they're in high school or college. And so they are um, exposed to multiple races uh, in that same distance. So cross country runners, they typically are always running the same distance, um, you know, and they have a few races, probably like anywhere from four to eight races in a season. Right. And so they get many opportunities to kind of perfect their race strategy and they may set different goals um, for each race and maybe dependent on like the course or uh, maybe a place goal or um, a pace goal for the first half, that sort of thing. It may not always be like a time based goal that they want to finish at. Mm. So that's something to think about, too, as as we're running longer races out on the roads, you know, we don't always have to think about mm. the, the end time. Right. There can be other goals that we can set within yeah. that race. Um, and then that's part of the reason why that, you know, these runners, they, they, they get so many years of experience racing shorter distances. So then when they do move up, they really understand how to, uh, kind of navigate their first half marathon or their first marathon. Um, and so a lot of times they don't need as much experience, but when we take a new adult runner who doesn't have those experiences growing up, um, a lot of times it can be, it can take longer then to really learn how to pace yourself and to run a really satisfying race, especially in a longer race, like a half or a full yeah, that was a really good point talking about how in high school, college, middle school, you're doing all these cross country races and all the courses are a little bit different. And within a season, you might run the same time or around the same time several times. Most most races aren't going to necessarily be a PR every year, every season. And so those runners maybe are at a little bit of an advantage mentally because they realize there's other ways to set goals. There's other ways to measure success within a race. So maybe other ways people are like, what does that mean? Um, it could be, okay, my goal is to pass, you know, as many people as I can the last mile. And I'm just going to like pick people off one by one. Another one could be like running within yourself and finishing strong, finishing, getting to like where you can see the finish and being able to really kick hard. Um, there's just so many different ways that you can set goals and they don't necessarily all have to be time-based goals. And then when you move into like road running and road races, I think that's where people get really caught up in the stats and the data. Mm-hmm. And as our company name is Run for PRs, I actually created this company in a time and place in my own running career where I thought, you know, the most way that you can measure success is through that running data, through running personal records on the time-based level. And, you know, now we're eight years past that and I've had to kind of learn the hard way that you're not always going to set personal records and that's not the only measure of um, like a success, right? And so there's other ways that we can measure these things and there's other ways that you can have a personal record within a race, right? So as our head coach, Ben always talks about, he's always saying, well, maybe it was a personal record for the best negative splits or a personal record for the best attitude you had on race day mm-hmm. or a personal record for, um, you know, like your age on that race day. There's just so many different ways that you can measure that success and call it like your personal best or your personal record that it doesn't necessarily have to be um, time-based every time I have to run faster because eventually it the law of diminishing returns right you're just not um, it takes so much to get that extra edge that it's not realistic to like ask yourself to continually get faster and then to only measure success based on that would kind of be selling yourself short yeah really good points about how just um, you know finding other ways to measure success and if you're someone kind of like me who is pretty far away from like their their PRs as far as like you know getting back to that level 
a lot of times you are going to set other goals that maybe um, are just like the fast, you know, run the fastest you've done in a year or two years or whatever it is, or the fastest 5k you've done since this year. And so like finding those, um, you know, in the world we live in now, it's kind of cool that we have the technology to maybe sometimes look back at our, what was our training like back then when we, you know, ran this, this, you know, X time, um, how many days a week maybe were we running? What was our weekly mileage? What was our, what were some of our key workouts like? And as we start to move into the next one about setting those expectations for race day, you know, really assessing your training as a whole, your recent training block and figuring out like, okay, what would I be satisfied um, with based on my training recently? Not based on what time I want to achieve someday, um, but really just based on this, this whole marathon block. And I have a lot of runners right now who are really honest with themselves as we're moving into the fall and, and they're getting in, getting ready for their first marathon and some, you know, for two years for a lot of them. Um, they aren't really focused on running like a PR or that time goal that they really wanted to achieve back when the, the cycle started. They're more focused around um, what they think is going to mean a good race for them. So it might just be focusing more on the effort, um, the negative split aspect, those sorts of smaller goals. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think allowing yourself that flexibility for when you go into your first race after some time off to just run based off effort, have goals that make more sense in terms of I want to finish strong or I want to do a negative split is actually more advantageous and you probably will run a better time than if you are to go out hard and then just try to hang on for dear life. Um, And I've kind of done both, right? And I do think it can be really tempting when you put in you know, six months of training and you got that goal race to just be like, well, I just want to go all in. But it's like, you really have to look at your training and be honest with yourself and ask like, am I at a place where I can confidently say that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to be able to run this time? Like, and sometimes I think people are like, well, I'm not sure. So I'm just going to go all in. And it's like, that's not always the best um, route to go because then you're kind of in that mindset of I'm just going to go out hard and hopefully hang on. You want to be really confident that you're able to actually run the time that you have in your mind and you want to have indicators in your training that speak to, okay, yes, you're probably capable. And a lot of that is looking at races that you've done leading up to the race. So a lot of times people will send me messages and they'll send me like their 20 mile long run and be like, what do you think I can run in a marathon? And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea based on one run. Like, you know, you need to look at your weekly mileage, your weekly workouts. Um, And there's just so many more factors that go into your training and what your capabilities are than one 20-mile long run. I mean, you could have someone who does nine-minute pace for their 20-mile long run and they run a 240 marathon. And it's like, well, their 20-mile long run was maybe the day after doing like a 10K race and they had an 85-mile week, you know, versus someone who runs nine minute pace for their 20 mile long run it basically was a race for them um they did a lot of start and stops they were wearing their you know next percents and stuff like that they treated it like a race and they send me that and then they say do you think i can break four so it's like just because you have one isolated run does not mean that you're going to run a specific time for your marathon it's a compilation of all of the things that you've been doing throughout training and that's why i think it's really hard to you know pinpoint one specific thing and say, yep, that's the shape that you're in. You really have to look at everything. And then sometimes using historical data, if you have that on yourself, asking yourself, okay, in previous training cycles, was my weekly mileage about the same? Did I have as much of a buildup? Um, Did I hit like certain workouts? Did I do as much 
long runs, all of those things. And then you can kind of get a good idea. Other ways is obviously assessing races, right? So every time that you run a race, you're testing your fitness. And so if you're training for a marathon, um, doing longer distance races, so like a 10 mile um, or a half marathon could be a good way to figure out what sort of shape you're in going into that marathon training cycle. Um, and that's also tricky because we don't want to be racing a half marathon maybe four weeks out from your marathon because you're going to be sore and you're going to want to be able to recover. So if you do like a half marathon training in the spring, you get your A race, your goal, you can see, okay, my fitness is at X and now I'm going to do a marathon training cycle all summer for a fall race and I'll be able to hopefully run this specific marathon time. But you really have to be training specific to each distance. Yeah, I really like how you mentioned just um, being patient with the goals and separating mm-hmm. the distances. So, you know, if, if you really want to achieve a certain time goal in, in a certain distance, uh, give it some time and focus on maybe some other distances that are going to give you a good foundation to achieve that. Um, so, like you said, if you really want to appear on a marathon, maybe get to work on your halftime, get that halftime down to a point where that indicates like, yeah, I can actually run this time for a marathon yeah. through a, you know, proper training cycle yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, the other thing that kind of came to mind was as we're thinking about, um, you know, doing, doing some races and if you're, and this is a good way to, to maybe assess, like if you should, um, set different goals for yourself during racing. And that's if, if you're someone that's rarely satisfied with the outcome of a race, that could be a good sign that you maybe need to, um, think differently about what is your purpose for doing the race and figure out a different goal to challenge you and make it successful. Because if, you know, if, for example, if you're someone that's always looking at most of your races as a success or a surprise to you because you felt mm. good, that's a really good sign to generate positive momentum towards your training for future races. So it kind of ties into the whole mental aspect. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, really being being honest with what you're hoping to get out of each race. And um, I think the more that you, you know, the more times you finish a race being satisfied, uh, that's going to give you better chances to, to reach your goals in the future because you're just, you're on the positive hamster wheel, right? If you're constantly on the negative hamster wheel where every race is just really tough and you're not, you're so far from your goals, well then, um, you know, how are you ever gonna get, get on the right track? So it's really important to maybe generate some momentum just by setting some of these other goals that we've talked about, like negative splits or, you know, running your last mile the fastest, some, you know, things like that. Yeah, definitely. There's so much of this is kind of like that mental training. And we're definitely going to touch on that kind of as our last part of the episode. But I do really like how you were talking about the proper pacing and setting those realistic expectations. Um, I think the best way that you can set yourself up for success is looking at realistic view. Where's my fitness? Not trying to aim for some arbitrary goal because it sounds good, um, but just being realistic with yourself and then setting yourself up with a pacing plan that can allow you to run negative splits because negative splits is going to be the best way that you can reach your potential on race day. Um, You don't want to have that whole mindset of banking time and stuff like that. You want to go out conservatively and be able to finish strong. That's the best way that you can set yourself up for running your fastest possible time. Um, and you're not really going to be able to run to your potential without proper pacing. And as you get faster, um, this becomes more and more important because you need to do every little thing to get that extra edge on race day. And so learning how to execute negative splits starting earlier on in your running career can really set you up for more success later because it is a skill that is learnable. And I think what's really important to understand is that not everyone Um, kind of no one is built with this naturally right no one naturally is like understanding how to do negative splits it's a skill it's not like 
a natural ability thing. It's definitely a skill. People who do negative splits in race on race day, they have really worked hard to get to that place and they kind of create a pacing plan specific for that. Um, so Jason kind of talked to me about how someone can become more of a negative split runner or for people who are maybe doubting because there was a time period in my own running career, maybe in like, I don't know, 2015 or something several years ago where I was like, no, like I just didn't want to buy into that because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to run the time I wanted. Right. Or I, I always thought, well, I blow up at the end anyways, because if you have a series of races where you're positive splitting, so let's say you've tried to run a certain time, and you always go out at a certain pace and then you blow up at the end. And maybe you're like, okay, maybe I went out too fast. So you go a little bit slower at the beginning, but still realistically too fast and you blow up at the end anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of courage to really buy into the whole concept of, no, we're really gonna pull back at the beginning here. We're gonna go way slower. Right. And then we'll see kind of what happens at the end because people are like, well, I'm just gonna blow up anyways. They don't have faith in the process yeah. of what a negative split is. I think it's tough. So for me, it starts with your workouts, you know, doing all your workouts with that mindset of I'm going to have my last one be the fastest or I'm going to stay, you know, super consistent. And then on the last one, I'm just going to see what's left. And so um, running a lot of like progression runs as well can help with that. And then as we start talking about racing, you know, it is tough because a lot of times the beginning of the race is the most exciting part. You're around mm. people. It feels super easy, right? True. And so holding back almost feels weird. Yeah. Um, so I would say a couple of things. Number one, doing your research ahead of time, figuring out, um, you know, where the hills on the course, that sort of thing, maybe where the crowd support might be. Um, all of these factors may go into mm-hmm. your approach to the race and how you might pace it. Because um, sometimes the splits may not look um, as, you know, negative split, or positive split as we think if there's if there's certain elevation challenges on the course right, right? so we want to think about this negative split aspect as more of like a progression of effort, effort mm-hmm. as we go throughout the race and so learning how to do that and so if you use a 5k as an example um yeah just really setting setting that uh time uh you know that that uh that time stamp that you don't want to exceed. So whether that's like no faster than eight minute pace, the first mile, that sort of thing. And then making sure you're holding back. So whatever your speed limit is, uh, using that as kind of a tool and then um, focusing so much on that third mile or whatever it is, you know, to help you slow down. Um, because I think I think if the goal is to negative split, you shouldn't be focused so much on uh, an overall time at the end. You should only be focused on like the the mile splits that sort of thing and then mm-hmm. whatever the outcome is at the end great you know so that's kind of the example too is is if you're going to focus on some of these different goals do not worry about the out the end time yeah that's a really good point and i think what you brought up about at the beginning of a race is so important and something that i just totally overlooked when i was thinking about this podcast but it's so important the beginning of the race like there's so much build up there's so much anxiety mm-hmm. You've tapered, you've been standing around for over an hour, like just watching people and you just have like all this pent up nervous energy. And so oftentimes when the gun goes off or whatever, um, I know probably everyone has experienced this. You go off, you think you're running the right pace. You look down at your watch, you realize like, oh my gosh, like I'm running way too fast. Um, And so you really want to set yourself up for success in this way. And one of the things I like to recommend doing is placing yourself further back than you think you should at the start line. You do not want to be in an area where you're going to be forced to go out at a fast pace because the hardest possible thing you can do the first mile 
is you know hold back so you want to set yourself up for success how are you going to be able to hold yourself back well if you're running around people who are running the appropriate pace right so i i always know that people in races always go out too fast so if you're in an area where you think okay these people are going to run the same time as me move back further so if you're trying to run a four-hour marathon and you see the four-hour pace group start just in front of the 415 pace group or something like do not go ahead of the four-hour group do not run with the four-hour group start significantly behind them because people are going to start too fast there's no need to you don't need to save any time at the beginning of a race right um for the most part and you know there's always that chip time so it doesn't really matter where you start but it is really important how you start the race so we want it to be very controlled we want it to feel extremely relaxed and honestly you're probably still going to go out too fast if you do all these things but that's really key um another thing that's really hard during the first couple of miles or first mile of a race is that people are going to be passing you um so other people are going to start maybe too far back whereas they were like using the porta potties or they just couldn't get up ahead enough in the race so you're going to be passed by a lot of people in the first mile um i have a negative split a lot of races and even in races I've negative split like you're getting past a lot during the first couple of miles of a race um and I think some people who are maybe more like ego driven or not as experienced racing they might you know you get past at mile one and you're like oh my gosh I'm not like going fast enough or it just you're not aware and you're not being mindful that someone passing you at mile one even if you're not consciously aware it can cause you to surge or start to go faster so it's really important to practice that mindfulness and to just be aware okay yep someone passed me and so now i need to be really conscious that i am not going to speed up i'm going to run within myself um, and just being super self-aware those first couple of miles because it is so easy to just get carried away and to go with whatever the environment is throwing at you. Um, Maybe there's crowds, right? I remember at like the Disney marathon we did in 2015, so a very long time ago, there was like a crowd at mile six and I just felt so good and I was like, whatever. And I just, I went, you know, fast during that mile and that race wasn't horrible, right? It it was like a one minute positive split. I, I ran really well, but it's like those foolish things where, you really need to have that like self-awareness and self-control and obviously you know like there's a balance there right but i do think that once you can develop that self-awareness and self-control of like oh there's crowds that's why i'm feeling good that's why this pace feels easy um and then just understanding like hey maybe that's a sign i should back off maybe i need to be aware of how this is impacting me And if these crowds weren't here, I would be going slower because maybe I should be going slower right now, right? Yeah, self-awareness is really key. (laughs) You know, you know, since COVID, I've really only done like two real running races. I've done a couple like triathlons, so it's been kind of hard to know where the fitness is at. But in both those races, the five k and the half that I've done, I didn't Mm. have any time goal at all, and Mm. I went into them. So to me, that this is part of setting realistic expectations is really having no time expectation, just kind of going in. Uh, focusing on really just how you feel being self-aware how you want to feel at three quarters of the way through the race that's really what I've been focusing on um then at that point of the race I think it's fine to look at your watch or whatever and say oh I want to run the last mile or the last you know quarter at this pace or whatever see if I can come in this time I think that that's a great way to set yourself up 
to be able to have like um, what I would consider a successful race where you feel content with your effort. Um, but you know, especially if you haven't raced in a long time, you go into a race thinking I want to set this time goal. Um, a lot of times, if we go out on pace to run that, we fall short because you know we just haven't been going through the training or the racing um, that re- is re- required to run that time. And so I think it's really good to just you know be be honest with yourself when you set these expectations. And our athletes, I think, have done a great job, uh, especially a lot of mine, just coming up with more um, process-based goals and not solely focus on the time outcome. Yeah, definitely. And I think as experience comes, there there is it's nice that you can set those goals where you're like, I have no idea like what sort of time I want to run. Whereas I think for people who maybe are newer to the sport, it's like it's good to have an idea of a pacing plan, right? Because I think for you, like you did have like a ballpark pacing plan in your oh, yeah. mind. But it was really more like I'm not gonna run faster than like this pace and you know, yeah. if I don't feel great, it's okay to slow down. So it was more of like a permission slip to okay, I can go, you know, slower than this or here's my speed limit. And I think that's really important to have those rules going into a race. So if you're trying to run, you know, let's say you're trying to run like a 330 marathon or whatever, you're trying to qualify for Boston eight minute pace for a marathon. The first like two miles, I would say you need to have a speed limit of like eight ten, unless you know you're going straight down a mountainside. Maybe it's a little bit different, but I would say like eight ten is like the fastest possible. I would want someone to run like the first... 10k in um or the first 5k in um and a lot of people won't buy into that they'll say well where am I going to make up those those 30 seconds Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like well later in the race right if your goal is to run like 330 on the dot or like 329.59 you really need to like do the negative split right and so having that speed limit um is really important having that like idea in your mind of okay well and if I don't feel great I would rather I would rather slow down, negative split the race, than go out on pace as hard as possible and then at mile 20 have to start walking, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's just really good to have um, that visualization uh, as a part of your pacing as well. Which kind of brings us to that last point, right? So we're talking about mental training. Um, having the mental like confidence to execute negative splits is obviously very important. And I think the number one thing that I recommend people to do within a training cycle when it comes to mental training is to visualize and work on the positives, right? So visualizing, what does that mean? So that means when you're doing workouts, when you're doing long runs, that sort of thing with pace work in it, you want to be visualizing how you would feel in a race. So anytime you're having a workout where you're doing faster pace work, visualize yourself in a racing environment. Um, If you're doing like tempo work, you can visualize yourself in a half marathon. You can visualize yourself like crushing pretty much any race because those are the moments where it's really important to visualize, okay, what's gonna be my surrounding? There's gonna be people around me. I'm gonna be feeling smooth. I'm gonna be feeling good. Um, And just focusing on those things, don't even look at your watch, right? Just focus on how you feel in the moment and cultivating that like visualization and positive mindset while you're in each workout can help you so much. Um, Because what really ends up happening for some people, some runners, is that they get too much in their head um, in any given workout. And then that is obviously gonna happen on race day as well. So right, you're going to race like you practice. So if in all of your workouts, you're beating yourself up in your head, you're saying, oh my gosh, this is so hard, or oh my gosh, I'm not hitting my splits, or yada yada, the same exact thing is gonna happen to you on race day. And so it's really important that every time you go into a workout, 
an easy run, whatever, you're working on these little positive cues and this visualization. Yeah, these go hand in hand. And it starts with everyday training runs, right? Like you said, just easy runs, not not worrying so much about like your pace and then approaching your workouts in the right mindset of, um, you know, I'm going to take this first one easy. I'm going to ease into it. I want to make sure I feel good um, at the end of this workout, that sort of thing. And, you know, when you're racing, just having more positive aff- affirmations, things you can tell yourself when the going does get hard. Um, you know, like, and obviously you need to redirect any negative thought into a positive. So rather than thinking, oh, that last mile was too slow, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, flip that into a positive by saying, well, I was able to conserve some more energy here. So that's going to help me later on in the race feel stronger, you know, something like that. And so, um, I think it all starts with doing that, um, on a daily basis in your, mm-hmm. in your regular training runs. Um, that's going to, tr- you know, trickle over into your racing. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think some people like don't really struggle with the negative thoughts as much as others. Um, and I think some people just naturally are maybe more pessimistic in nature. Maybe they just have more negative thoughts in general. Um, I'm someone who for the beginning of my adult life, like that's really how I would motivate myself was kind of like talking to myself in like this negative way. Um, and I started realizing it was like kind of coming up in, in races and on race day and it was actually like holding me back in some ways. Um, so some things that helped me personally, like kind of shift me, my attitude to, okay, we're not going to have negative thoughts anymore. Um, you can write down, this is like a very important, right? So this maybe is going to sound a little like woo woo and like doesn't work. So I want to like give up some background to this for two to three months before it was like 75 days before my half marathon where I ran a 122, which was like a five minute PR. Every single day I did these two things. It literally takes less than a minute. Um, And I think it did help a lot with like the mindset because I didn't have really any negative thoughts during the race at all. And just in training, I felt like better than I ever had. And this is coming from someone who's been running for like a decade, right? And I usually have pretty bad negative thoughts on race day. So these two things, you literally have to do it consistently. It's not like, okay, you do it one day and then boom, like there's this massive change in your brain. It's just, you can rewire your brain to think about positive things and to look at things at a positive perspective if you take action and you start training your brain in that way. And this was one way that I knew could be a tangible thing that I do every single day to work towards that direction. So it was five things that you're grateful for, like maybe just random positive things in your life, right? It could be, oh, like I'm happy that I woke up early and I'm gonna be able to get my run done before you know work. Or I'm happy that, I don't know, there's just so many and they're kind of personal, right? So you just write it down, keep it to yourself, five things that are positive. Even if you're feeling super tired and you just like can't think of anything positive, there's always something that you can think of that's positive. You can be thankful for your coffee. Like it doesn't have to be, but what it trains your brain to do is you're teaching yourself to find something positive or that you're grateful for in any situation, no matter how you're waking up. Let's say you wake up, you feel terrible. You just, your mind is going to all these negatives, but you have to train yourself. Okay, I'm looking for the positives this morning. I'm looking for the positives today. Um, So it actually does over time train your brain how to look for positives and look for the good things. Um, And you do literally have to write it down. You have to do it every day. Um, the other thing that I did right immediately after that 
was I'd write like six things, like I am statements. So I'd be like, I am strong, I'm fast, whatever. I am like a good mom. Like you just write positive things about yourself because if you're constantly going throughout your day, um, some people maybe are unaware that they're beating themselves up, right? Like you're on a run, it's not going great. And you just go, oh, I'm a slow runner. I'm not good at running or like, I'm not doing well with this training or you just have like these negative thoughts. So it's really good to start your day off with like, no, actually I am fast. I am like a strong runner. And even if those things like you don't really believe it, just writing it down and saying it, it actually can train you to think, hey, actually maybe I am those things, right? And so there are like some scientific studies that have been shown that doing like meditation, doing those sort of like I am statements can actually make a difference in how you feel mentally and work on that mental strength and looking for those positive things. I know it sounds like a little bit like woo woo and like, oh, it's not, but it's made a difference in my running and just in my own mental um, training aspect when it comes to, to race day. No, I mean, you're spot on. And, you know, I've coached a lot of athletes that I've seen go through phases in their life where the training just seems like it's harder for them at this period, at some period of their life. And it could be because of outside, you know, stressful factors that are going on. Um, but I, I wonder during that time, like, how are they, yeah, mm-hmm. how are they approaching their, their own training with their thoughts? Yep. And are they looking at workouts as like, oh, I failed because I couldn't hit my oh. pace today. Um, and it starts with just like your everyday runs like that. If you if you failed on a workout, rather than thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so slow or I'm losing fitness. Right. Um, you need to find a way to find the silver lining with that workout. Like, oh, but you still got out and got it done. You're still going to feel good later in the day. Um, or, yep. you know, I can only really go up from here, right? Like the next one can only be better because this one was, was got awful. So, you know, just figuring out like, oh, well, at least I, I was consistent, that sort of thing. Figuring out what is yep. the silver lining for each small workout. And I think, like you said, it just becomes like for some people it's easy because their thoughts are always ingrained that way. Mm-hmm. They're always looking at those yep. positives, those small things. And for others, it's, it's not so obvious. And so sometimes you need to be a little bit more uh, aware and take the time to really, you know, think about it and reflect. Yeah. And I think it's really important to be self-aware too, because like you said, sometimes people just don't even know that this is going on. And I've had athletes before where they finish a, a long run or something and it's like the longest long run they've done in a year and their like highest mileage week. And so in my perspective, I'm like, there's a lot of positives here, right? It's your highest mileage week, longest long run. You're coming back from an injury. Like you're crushing it. Like you're trusting the training. You're going slow on your easy days. And then they can come to me and be like, oh my gosh, like if you compare this run to the run I did April 16th of 2017 and I'm like, whoa, like where is your head going? Because, and, but to them it's perfectly normal because that's how their thoughts always are. They're always like, well, you know, my 17 mile long run that I did seven years ago, I actually ran and I hit all these paces, but you know, today it was like two minutes per mile slower. And it's like, all right, so there's a lot of different ways we could look at what you just did, right? That 17 miler. And I'm seeing all these positives as like this outside perspective, like as your coach. And for some reason, like in the athlete's brain and this individual's mind, it was just going to like negative after negative. And, and it's, it's sad because it's like, no one really knows how you're experiencing the world in your own mind, unless you kind of vocalize it and you start talking about it. And that's why it's really important to be aware that if you are playing like those comparison games, or if you find yourself constantly kind of just not feeling great about your training, chances are you are doing a lot of these behaviors where you're like, oh, I'm comparing it to like seven years ago or 
you know, back when I was, you know, 20 years old, it just was so much easier to, to work out and I didn't have kids. And if you're, if you're saying a lot of these things to yourself over and over, it's not working in your favor. And so you really need to look at like a different way of framing it because I could sit there all day and be like, oh, it's just so exhausting. Like having two kids, like I just can't do this anymore. I can't train. But instead, if like I flip it and say, hey, like I'm actually, considering I have two kids, I'm in way better shape than I was five years ago before I had kids because I have to do all my training plus take care of them. So that's just like added benefit. Like on race day, I'm just going to feel so much better because it's going to feel like a vacation versus, you know, so there's just different ways that you can approach your mindset. And obviously these things do not come natural. So I definitely have those negative thoughts. Like I'm not saying I don't have them. Obviously I do. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to talk about them, but it's about kind of reframing what those negatives are into something that can be looked at from more of an optimistic perspective. Um, if nothing else, right? Yeah. You know, this is so interesting. I'm, I'm wondering if there's like a correlation between, you know, let's say that we're talking about mental training, right? So we're talking about like positive Mm -hmm. thoughts versus negative thoughts and all that. So I'm wondering if there's a correlation between people who, um, are consistent with their training versus people that are somewhat inconsistent who have to like take time off and like kind of looking at those two types of runners and figuring out like which one um, as a higher, I would say, you know, consider it a higher, um, level of mental, mental, uh, training right. or mental, just overall mental energy towards their training, mm-hmm. towards their running. Because I think that sometimes runners think they need a break, but it's, it's right. not so much that they need the physical break. It's more just, they need to reframe mental. the way they're approaching, you know, their, their running and their training. And so, um, cause I can see it coming with some athletes like who tell me they need to just take a break. Um, sometimes it's, you know, they've had a lot of different things, outside factors happen to them. And so sometimes I wonder, like, um, mm. is it really the running or could it be just a combination of just everything going on in your life, expectations yeah. and not really adju- readjusting, like, your, um, the way you view your own running, you know? Right. Because, I mean, there is some truth to, okay, you know, if stressful times happen, you know, your running kind of gets put on a back burner. Mm-hmm. But like you're saying, there's always that health component to running where, You know, I've had seasons of my life where I just did not have, like, the mental energy to train for any race, right? Right. Like, um, kind of in 2019, it was just, like, a very busy year, having a toddler, like, our business expanding, stuff like that. I just didn't have it in me. And so I I don't think I really accepted that. Um, As an athlete, I was like, oh, no, this can't be. Like, I always have to be training. But if I would have just embraced that a little bit more, I think I would have... Um, had better outcomes but I do think like you said running is always kind of like it can be used as a positive and so it's all about reframing so instead of taking six months off completely from running and saying oh you know it's all or nothing all or nothing if I can't do the Chicago marathon I'm not gonna run it all this year Um, I think maybe like a happy medium would be okay how can running actually enhance my life during this time period so maybe you're going through a transition where you're starting grad school or you're, you know, doing, you, you just had your first kid and like you're trying to come up with a schedule and stuff like that. So instead of trying to do what you used to do, like training for a marathon, running seven days a week or whatever it may be, maybe it's trying to figure out what would probably be like ideal for like my workout schedule during this season of my life. And if you give yourself that flexibility to be like, you know, I think maybe three days a week, 30 minutes at a time, I wonder what I could do with that. 
um, and then being open to having those adjustments, you're actually going to be more consistent over the long term. You're probably going to feel better because obviously all of the the studies that show exercise being such an important um, benefit to your life. And chances are, if you're listening to this, you like running. So it's something you want to be doing. But I think that whole like black or white or all or nothing Mm -hmm. mindset can really um, slow people down from taking a step back and just looking at like, how is running actually able to benefit my life even during this season where I'm not able to set those super aggressive goals or do the, the crazy things that um, I did in a previous season. Yeah, not to mention if you're able to just string together some, you know, a couple of days a week of getting out the door, even for a few miles right. here and there, you know, when it, when the time does come for you to want to get serious about running again, it's going to be a lot easier to kind of get momentum going and to get your fitness back. And, you know, you're probably going to stay more, likelihood of staying injury free is going to go up as well, just because you've been, your body's used to the impact and, and whatnot. So, you know, really all this to me, it just boils down to, um, you know, not, not allowing your past experiences to hold you back further mm-hmm. if you're someone that has struggled in these areas. Um, so just know that running is something that you can always make, you know, strides in, um, in, in so many different ways, right? Whether yep. that's just getting faster or running more or getting smarter with your training or running for different reasons. And so whatever it is, just find a path that's going to help you know, lead you to a better place. I think this is so important. Um, a lot of people, they, they want to be lifelong runners, I think in theory. And then when you go through maybe that first phase where you're running, you know, kind of takes a, a hit for a year or two. And it's really hard to kind of get back in because you're always playing that comparison game. You're comparing yourself to the past. You're comparing past race results to where you are currently. Um, it's really hard to kind of get over that whole like mental um, barrier of like, we're not where you used to be. We're not moving backwards. You need to just find ways every day to kind of measure progress and, and measure success and kind of just accept that, hey, yeah, the past happened. Maybe you set really fast times, but we're not gonna constantly just be like looking back through rose colored glasses thinking, oh, you know, that was kind of like my peak and now I'm just doing this. Um, the way that you talk about your past and where you are now is also really important. I know sometimes people, especially kind of your friends, your age, like in the mid thirties, they're, they're always like, Oh, you know, I'm just a washed up runner. Oh, I don't even run. And it's like, well, no, you're running like five days a week. Um, you're not washed up, you know, like you still run really fast. And so, you know, sometimes that's a joke, but I do think there is some like, there's that whole attitude about it. And maybe they don't actually feel that way. They're just kind of joking around. But if you really do feel that way about yourself, it's going to be hard for you to stay motivated to actually get out the door because if you're constantly just beating yourself up, it's not really like working in your favor towards moving in the direction you want to go, right? So instead you can say positive things like, yeah, like I'm, I'm still kind of getting after this after like, you know, 20 years. Like that's pretty, that's pretty good. And even if, you know, I don't ever PR again, I can still measure progress by, um, setting benchmark races all year. I know coach Ben kind of does that from time to time. He'll not race for like a year or two or three. And then it's like, he just goes out and runs a 5k and later in the year, wants to run another 5k uh, a little bit faster or something like that. So there's different ways that you can measure progress and it doesn't have to be like, Oh, I'm looking back at my glory days or whatever. Um, so definitely good to understand that, a lot of people will let their past experiences hold them back, but you can kind of be in control there. You're in the driver's seat of how you view things and there's always that way to reframe things to make it more positive. And when you make things more positive, you help yourself move in the direction of 
the positive mindset, which is going to help you want to get out the door more. This, I just feel like this has been such an uplifting message today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we think about racing too, a lot of times we, um, associate our, our, um, I guess our worth as a runner based on our our race results. And so it's really important to not let the race result define you or define like who you are as a runner. And so that's something too, to think about, like, no matter what, you're still going to get back out there. And so, um, one race result doesn't really mean anything. We've all had good races. We've all had bad races. Um, you know, the goal is really just to improve, um, in other, other areas of our, of our running. And so, um, trying to be more consistent, I think, even with our imp- increasing our times too, that could yes, be a good goal. I could say so much about this and just the whole, gosh, if you look on social media right now, any, if you follow any runners, it's like a lot of times people have like their PRs in their profile, which is totally fine. No, Hey, like mm-hmm. I, I used to do that for a really long time. Um, but at one point I, one of my friends or one of our friends gosh I was he like a 214 marathoner Ben oh yeah Ben say there yeah 214 marathoner um he has in his profile sort of his PR of 214 it says like oh yeah like my PRs don't define me or something or like race Mm. no race time defines who I am or something and I'm like oh yeah that is kind of interesting that like we're all sitting there on social media putting like our race times in a profile and while I can see it from both directions, it's like, how much are we putting in, like, uh, does that define us? Like, cause you're putting in your profile, you want people to see it. Like, it's almost like you're wearing it as this badge of like, this defines me. Um, and yeah, after I ran my 122 half, I did have someone comment. They're like, oh, I did, I did a half once and it was like a downhill course. Um, do you, do you think I cheated? Do you think that's cheating? And oh my God, does it count? And I was just like, count for what like what are we counting here right like because i think she ran like 128 or something she's like do you think my time counts like i just feel really gross about it and i'm like where is all this coming from right because all it is all running is especially at this level everyone listening to recreational runner competitive runner whatever it's for yourself right so it's just like i don't i don't get it it's all about what you make of it and how you define it um you know whether you run like a 122 or like a 252 it's just it's what you make of it right so (laughs) it's just it's just a number and it doesn't really mean anything right Right. you're you're just a runner and you like to run and that's what it's all about um because the thing about these race times that you maybe will discover over the years is it's not like a defining moment it's not gonna like bring you happiness right the defining moment is like you getting out the door you being a runner um so if you kind of shift your identity more to like you know i am a runner and i like to run and i am a hard-working person i think you'll find more um joy and just like be more content with yourself versus like you know I'm, I'm a one I'm a 122 yeah. <laughs> half marathoner because when I say that even when I say that I just feel like whoa that's a lot of pressure like that sounds really intense I don't want to you know what I mean it's just like I feel like it's like a benchmark that you're trying to throw out there I feel a lot more comfortable saying things like I like to run you know or right. I I enjoy racing or I like to run fast or whatever because it's more like universal and you're not like putting such a I don't know, defining, like you're not being defined by any sort of race time you've ran. You're just saying what you like to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I don't think I'd be any happier if I was, if I had a PR that was slightly faster <laughs> right. than what it is now. You know what I'm saying? So right. like, I'm content, you know, be always be con- kind of content with what you've accomplished, but um, 
unless I was a sub four miler, then I might be more right. But, but you know, I'm because I'm a four fourteen. I'm not gonna say, oh, if I would have ran four oh nine back in college, right. I would have been. I would have felt like I reached a new pinnacle. Like, right. no, I'm pretty content with that, and um, you know, I'm not any less happy than I would have been if I would have ran four oh nine. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of that perspective of like, what has running given to you? Yes. How has it impacted your life and made you a better person? And um, you know, the race. The races are great to participate in and to find ways to challenge ourselves, but just kind of remembering the the larger perspective of things. Totally. And I think it's really important just the whole concept of like being defined by those numbers and like chasing things that we think are going to make us happy. But it's like, like you said, like would a faster race time really make me more happy? It's like, no, like you'd still be out there doing it. You're just doing it because you like to run. You like to like better yourself. Um, and you can do that pretty much at any pace at any time. And so it's like more universal. And it kind of reminds me of like some of the studies they've done on income. It's like once you get to like a certain income level, I think it's like 75,000 a year. Um, maybe it's different now with like inflation and stuff that any additional income like doesn't increase your happiness or something like that, or it's so minimal that it doesn't really matter. Um, and then after a certain point, you actually, like, get a decrease in happiness. So I wonder if there's, like, a certain study for, like, runners, right? Where it's, like, okay, you run this time and, like, you're, you're happy. You're, or like, just this much, you right? run this like, much, right? You're happy and the, anymore. You yeah. just, it's, it doesn't increase your happiness anymore. Because, yeah, like, anytime I've ran a PR in the last, I don't know, decade, I've just been, like, oh, like, okay, whatever. Um, maybe not in the last decade. But ever since maybe like 2014, I'm not, it doesn't like change how I view running, which is interesting or like how I view myself or anything like that. Um, so I think just getting to a place where like you're content and you're enjoying the process can really go a long way for, um, for your mental game for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess there was a lot going on in this podcast. (laughs) We talked about the consistent training, gaining your racing experiences, being a super important part to becoming a better racer. Then we talked a little bit about setting that realistic expectation and having proper pacing, a lot about negative splits and how that's going to be really important. And then we dived into that mental training aspect. We kind of gave some tangible tips like writing five things you're grateful for or doing the I am statements of positive things. And it helps your brain to kind of look for those positives. Again, you have to be really consistent with this training. It's going to be a challenge, uh, but that's the thing is rewiring your brain takes time and it might feel challenging. Um, But if this is something that you're interested in, and I know working with a coach can help in some of these ways, because like I kind of talked about that one example, I'm always seeing positives in my athletes training because I'm an outside perspective and I'm looking for the positives within them. And I think sometimes as athletes, we can be highly self-critical. I know as an athlete perspective, I have the tendency to be self-critical myself. I think people are more critical of themselves than they are of anyone else, right? So I can see positives extremely well in others. And so I think that that's one of the benefits of having a coach, right? So having someone to bounce ideas off of, having someone that can kind of look at your training and tell you, hey, like you're doing all these things right, um, or challenge you in the ways of, are you really being um, consistent with your mental training too? Because a coach will be able to pinpoint um, certain things that you're saying that maybe are holding you back. And just talking about making those behavioral changes, making those changes for the positive mindset um, and working on cues to help with those things. So if that's something you're interested in, you can fill out the form on our website www.runforprs.com. We can get you set up with a free seven-day trial. Um, Again, that's www.runforprs.com. We can get you set up with a free seven-day trial. So thanks for tuning in.